I want to begin this morning by just sharing two very quick stories that I think will help us understand everything that God wants us to understand. And it's about two bus trips I took that probably, in some form or fashion, probably saved my life. Two bus trips. One of them was when I was in Israel, a college student, and I was with a, a bunch of the people, and we were at the Jerusalem bus station, and we were sitting on this bench. We were tired. The bench was awesome. We could wait because there's not other benches around. Sitting there waiting, all of a sudden, armed guards are yelling and running everywhere. Armed guards, you understand, in Israel, these are soldiers with with machine guns, okay? And, and they're running at us, and we don't know what's going on because they're speaking Hebrew, and we're going, what are you saying? What is going on? And what they're trying to tell us is to get away because underneath that bench that we were sitting on was a bomb that they was common in the days when I was there. Uh, and uh, there was a, a, a satchel there. I had been standing right behind it, sort of, you know how you fidget, you know? And so I was fidgeting, and I was, you know, kicking the the back of the bench, and the bomb, kicking the bomb. There's a whole sermon I could do on kicking the bomb. Not a good idea. So what happened is when we finally realized what's going on, we just ran. Now, we were waiting for our bus. Our bus wasn't there. And I ran with everyone else, and we got on a bus. I didn't know where the bus was. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know how long we'd be on the bus. I didn't, amen. I didn't know anything about the bus. All I knew was that that was the bomb going off, just to to bring it to your mind. We were on that bus and trying to get away. And that bus drove off, and we were so glad to be on the bus. And I thought, I wonder where we're going. (laughs) I wonder what's going on with this bus. Second story is when I was in Malaysia, I was ministering to... uh, uh, some uh, some churches there, and I was invited with by good friends of ours that were missionaries down in Singapore, and I had flown up to Malaysia, and it it, it was it was a good trip, a good good uh, uh, experience, and I, and I hope they got a lot out of what I was sharing. But it was at the end of a three week trip. How many know I was ready to go home? And the next day, my international flight was flying out of Singapore to go home. And then about the time we were going to leave from the camp where I was teaching, they came up and said, sorry, Pastor Greg, you, you, you can't go to the airport. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to the airport. How many know what I'm talking about? You ready to go home? I'm going to the airport. And they said, no, the airport has burned down. It's, not, it's on fire. I said, the whole thing? He says, well, just the international terminal. That's where you got to fly out of because see, Malaysia is a country. You fly down to Singapore, another country. So you have to take the international flight. And he says, so it's burned, it's burned down. You can't. And I said, what about the other terminal? It says, well, it's just domestic. It won't, it won't do any good. Take me there. Of course, they're, they're trying to be polite to me, you know, and try to be respectful. But at the same time thinking, dumb American. <laughs> you know, it's not going to work. You know, so we get there. Sure enough, I see it. On fire. Flames. Biggest flames I've ever seen. The whole building on fire. It was probably all the alcohol they had in there, which is another whole story. That's another problem. So over here, over here we get to the terminal, and I get there, and I say, come on, you got to do something. They say, no, 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 it's going to take three or four days just to organize because we have to fly internationally out of a domestic airport, and that's not what we do, and there's all kinds of rules and restrictions, and this is going to be, this is going to be really, really hard. And uh, so, and I said, you don't understand, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm going to miss going home. <laughs> 
And, and, and they said, there's nothing there. And I, I said, there's no plane that, that, that even goes that direction? They said, well, yeah, there's this one, but it's all domestic. You, you can't get there. I said, put me on the plane. Crazy. I said, put me on the plane. I got the last seat on the plane, walked on the plane, had my two suitcases, and walked to the back of the plane and sat down with my two, 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 two suitcases in the aisle. I'm legionnaire. That's the way it is. So <laughs> just sat it there. And, 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 and I took off, and I thought, oh, yeah, I feel so good. And I took off, and all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just got on this plane. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where it's going to land. I don't even know the name of the city that's going to land. I don't know when I get there, there's going to be nobody that speaks English and nobody that's going to greet me and nobody that's going to know anything about me. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. I land, I get out, and sure enough, it's just like I said. Nobody spoke English. Nobody cared about me. And I'm walking around my, with my suitcases going, I'm in so much trouble. God, what am I doing? And I looked up, and I saw a bus. Now, here's the funny thing. I didn't know where that bus was going. I didn't know the direction it was bus was going. I didn't, it could have been going north. It could have been going to North Korea. I don't know, right? So I, but I thought, it's a bus. So I got in line with my two suitcases. And I'm in, in line, and I get to the, to the front, and, and they're giving out tickets to people who are on the list. And I've seen this list. There's no Phelps on this list. There's not a Smith. There's not a, there's not a Jones. There's nothing. It, I mean, there's, there's letters here, and I can't read them, and I'm thinking I'm in so much trouble. And I said, Greg Phelps. And they said, uh, looked down, looked up, and looked down. They said, oh, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no Phelps here. I said, what? What? There's no Phelps here? And I really believe God was going to write my name on it. I did, although I had no idea where this bus was going, remember, and it's going to write, write my name on it, and I just said, I thought my name would be there, and they had already turned away three or four people in front of us, in front of me, because their name wasn't on the list. Looked down, looked up, looked down, looked up, and handed me the ticket, which I had to pay for. I had no idea how much the ticket was. I probably tipped him 150%. I had no idea. Just gave him it, grabbed that ticket. <laughs> got on the bus. There was there wasn't a soul on the bus. No one. So I sat down on that bus with my two suitcases. And I thought, I'm not getting off this bus <laughs> because it's going to go somewhere and I just feel like I should be on this bus. And the bus went across the bridge and took me into Singapore. I sat there by myself 2 hours on that bus before a single soul got there. Then it filled all up. We drove across and we went across the bridge into Singapore. Now you say, well, Greg, what is that all about? You see, sometimes God moves us away from danger. There's literally a bomb. There's a relationship. Come on, listen to me. There's something that's there, an attitude, a thought, something that God needs to move us away from. We need to get on the bus to get away from it. Sometimes God's just trying to take us home. <laughs> I was just trying to get home. I knew the only way to get home was to go to Singapore where my missionary friends were. That was the only way. I was just trying to get them. And some, sometimes God just leads us and guides us and gets us on the bus to get us home. And this is what we need to understand. is whether we're coming from danger or whether God is just leading us, God has a bus. God has a bus that he wants us to get on. He wants us to understand what, how we get there. Now, to understand everything I'm, I'm telling you this morning, you need to understand that the church, every church, God's church, has three primary functions that is involved. If you're going to be a church, if you're going to be God's people, if you're going to be a disciple, you better understand these three things. And the first is worship. The second is 
uh, function or primary uh, purpose of the church is to build up the church, is to build up the bodies, to edify the body. And the third is to witness, is to outreach. I say it this way just to remember it. The word uh, or uh, worship, word, witness. Worship, word, witness. That is our primary purpose. That's why you're here. That's what your discipleship is all about. That's what it means to serve God. That's what it means to, to love God. It's all about that. It's all about understanding the, those three aspects. And this morning, I want us to focus on worship. And why is it so important? If It's one of the primary threes. It's one of the essential elements of being a disciple, of loving God and serving God. You better get these three down. Because if you miss one of these, it's wrong. It's, it's out of balance. And you see people that are out of balance. They're trying to serve God, trying to live for God, and it's not quite right. Why is that? Because they have one of these three they don't really understand or they're not really moving in. So this morning, I just want to talk about worship and, and, and God's worship bus. <laughs> he has a bus that he wants you to get on. Now, we don't understand this bus. This bus is scary sometimes. I don't know where this bus is going. I don't, I, I don't do it that way. I don't worship that way. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not too sure about that kind of bus. That's a, that's a scary bus. That's, I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's, where it's going to lead me. And, and it is something we sort of back away from. It's ironic. Out of all these three main elements of who we are as the church, that the one we get most confused about is worship. More discussion, more diversity, more craziness in worship than any of the others. We understand word. We understand Jesus is the center, is the focus. We'll talk about that next week. And we understand that we have to love people and we have to reach out to people no matter where they're at. And we understand that. And I'll talk about that in two weeks. But this morning, I want us to stop and say, hey, what is it about worship? What is it about? Why do we worship? Why do we worship like we do? What is that all about? And the only way to really get it is we need to step back for a moment, okay? Everyone breathe. Breathe and say, what's the big picture here? What, what's the big thing that I need to understand? I was in Uganda, and I went there several years working with an orphanage there. And, and one, of the, one of the things you get to do in, when you go to Uganda is go on a, uh, a, a safari. Love doing that. Oh, man, beautiful waterfalls. Everything's just crazy, you know, and the animals. And you sit on top of the Jeeps, not just... You know, they've got a big hole in the middle, and you, you climb up top, and you sit on top, and it drives around. So much fun. It's just incredible. The animals, the nature, serious smell. Just going to let you know. When you're in the safari, it smells like a safari. If, if it, oh, can I preach there? I need to stop. Okay, so what happens is that we're, we're driving around, and there are lions there. And the lions never bothered me because of all the stories I heard that the guides would tell us, I think sometimes it just scares to death. But the guys would tell us is that they never told us stories about lions jumping up and bothering us because you're just out there. I mean, you're sitting on top of this Jeep, and it's just, you're there. It's just you. I mean, you're just from, from me to this front row here. That's, that's how far you can be from those lions. Most of them just laying there like, I don't care. I've seen you before. <laughs> you know, it's not important. There was one time we got a little nervous because there was a mother, and all of a sudden we saw like three or four cubs. And mom did not like you watching. Moms are funny that way. So that mom lion was just like, okay, so we're just going to back up slowly. But the ones that got me, the ones that really intimidated me were the leopards, solid black. Because every guide on every year I went would tell some different story of a leopard actually attacking one of the, uh, 
one of the tours as we drove through there. And if you get too far away, things like that. Because these leopards, man, they just, they're, they're dangerous. In fact, we saw one once a long way away. He almost had to see it through binoculars sitting in the tree. Just looking at it, it's like lunch, snack, dinner. No, I don't know. Just looking, just looking at us and just, just sitting there. But here's the thing. Big picture. If I'm facing a leopard and I see it staring at me, glowing eyes, and I'm on that, I am not thinking, man, I wonder how many teeth are in that leopard. I wonder how sharp they are. I wonder if I could open them in, 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 in his mouth and count them. No, no, no. That's not what you don't think about the individual teeth in a leopard. You're thinking, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Move, start that bus, get me out of here, get going because I need to leave. And the same thing is with worship. We get lost. Well, do I do it this way? Do it this way? Is it like, it's like that. And we get lost and we forget the main idea. The main idea has always been about relationship. You see, we've always had worship. From the very beginning, you know, when the, the story of the Garden of Eden, Moses, I mean, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> okay, I'm working on my names. Adam is walking with God when Eve, and they're walking with God. They're not chatting about the latest latte they've just had, you know. This is a worship moment. This is man walking with God. It was always, always that way. Do you realize the first murder in recorded human history, the first murder was over worship? Not much has changed, huh? (laughs) It really was. It was about a misunderstanding about worship. Cain killed Abel, brothers. And Cain's offering was not accepted. His worship to God was half-hearted, was inadequate, was not heartfelt. Uh-oh. Did I describe your worship? Anyway, just, just, it was just like just going through the motions. It wasn't really real, and God didn't accept that and ex- accepted Abel's, and Cain was bitter over that. The very first murder was over worship. I just find that appropriate. I find that amazing. We're still fighting over it. We're still saying, well, you got to do it this way. you got to do it this way. This way. And, and we're missing the point of what God is really trying to say. This morning, I want to talk about sing and see. Sing and see. When we worship, when we enter into the presence of God and we understand what God is really doing and what that moment is about, we're going to see amazing things in our relationship with God, in our understanding of God, in everything God is doing. You see, how we worship reflects of who we are. How we worship reflects who you are. If you have an employee and he works really good, it reflects the character of of what she's doing and how she is meticulous about and faithful in her work. If you have one that just lays around and doesn't do the work and always makes excuses and doesn't show up on time and leaves early and all this, you you have a reflection of who they are on the inside and probably what's going on in their life. But that is, worship is the same. It is who we are. So let's go to our main text I want to read this morning out of Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Now, it's really, here's your assignment. Here's your homework. Here it is. So, man, church gives me homework? Yes. Because I, w- I want you to just read all of Psalm 66. I don't have time to talk about it all. And meditate on it. And, and do your devotions out of it. And let God speak to you from it. Just move over it and read it and read it and read it. And you see... Meditation is not reading. 
Meditation is that you read it and God speaks something out of it to you, and you or a challenge or you uh, uh, a, a need that God touches in your life, and God moves in your life. God moves in your heart. So let me let me start out with Psalm 66. I'm just going to read just a few of the uh, the first five verses, just to give us a perspective of what is God saying about worship this morning. It begins with a great word: shout. <laughs> Shout. Now, we don't mind shouting. We love shouting. We love shouting at games. Come on. Come on. You never, you never shout at you. We, we shout at football games and baseball games. We even shout at each other. But see, this is a little different shout because this says shout for joy. <laughs> so you need to have some joy in your shout. If you're going to shout at each other, have some joy there. <laughs> and Not that you're joyful about shouting at each other. Understand what I'm saying because it's shout f- for joy to God. Shout to joy for God. All the earth. All of the earth. That includes you. Okay, in case you think, oh, that's not for me, that's for them, or that's for that religion, that's for that denomination, that's the way they do it. No, 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 no. This is something that's very clear. It says we are to shout for joy, put joy in our worship, and do it, all of us do it, all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praises glorious. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. Uh, we start to step into something there about, about what God is doing, what, the, the power that's there. All the earth bows down to you. Sing. They sing praises to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see. Sing and see. Are you ready to sing and see? Are you ready to see what God can really do in your life? Are you thinking, oh, this over-worship, I don't get it. That's the point. (laughs) That is the point. We're missing such a huge element of who we are as a disciple. There are two-thirds Christians running around all the time saying, I got the word, and I believe about building up the body and and God building me up and about loving, and miss worship, really what God wants to do in our lives and how God wants to touch us. It's clear that the shouting... (laughs) And the singing and the praising and even the seeing is not just a, 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 you know, a suggestion. It's something that's very clear. Uh, You see, and here's my first thought. Worship is a command that is specific and always selfless. Worship is a command. It's very, very specific. And it's always, always selfless. And that, by that... Selfless means it's not just about what you're doing. You see, do you have a favorite song? Do you have a favorite worship song? You know, if I ask you if you're thinking, oh, yeah, I love that. That's my favorite worship song. You know, and I get my favorite worship song is what I'm listening to now. <laughs> it's like a move on. I like that one. I like that one. I like it. Yeah, and that's okay. I understand that. You have a favorite worship leader. Man, I just love the way they do it. You know, they just Bethel, elevation worship. Ah, Red Rocks. We just had Red Rocks at our conference, church conference, which, by the way, you're all invited to next year. We, up in Virginia Beach, it was amazing worship. Just Red Rocks is just incredible. I never even heard of them. Of course, you know all of that. That's your world. But, you know, Anne in the back, too. I know, I know. <laughs> They're really, really good, you know. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. As cool as that is, when did worship become about us? When did worship turn about, okay, I need God to do something in me because I'm really hurting. Okay. But you know, you see what you just did? This is all about you. 
God will touch you. God will move in your life. God will change circumstances. But worship is not just about what's going on in me and what I did. If it was, think about this. If if it was, then God would have to come down to Cain who killed Abel over a bad worship and say, oh, Cain, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you get to do whatever worship you want to do, whatever you feel like. That's the worship that's good. You do that. You do that worship. You do it the way you want. And I am so sorry. God is not going to apologize to Cain because it's not about the worship that we think we should do or even have. You see, it's not about gifting. It's not about talent. It's not about all these things that so easily get confused. And I'm glad we have talent. They were spot on. Lisa comes up, throws them a curb. Come on, we're doing this. They're right there. Man, so we got talent. It's not about talent. It's not about that. You know what it's about? It's about his glory. It's about his presence. It's about understanding what he wants to do. God wants us to lift our hands, to to bring the shouts. That's what God likes. Instead of going into worship and saying, I don't like that kind of worship. Okay, okay, okay. What kind of worship? Do you like? Or maybe we should say, God, what kind of worship do you like? Mm. I still love you guys. Don't, don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at me. Because I'm there with you. Because even, even this morning, I'm sitting there thinking and worshiping, thinking, man, it's so easy for me to drift off. Okay, we're just going to be done. We've got to do this. We've got to preach this sermon. Got this. You, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, just get lost in all the technical things that are going on. And I just had to, even this morning, just say, God, I'm sorry. Because I made worship about me. People liking it. People worshiping. You see, this pastor's heart. I'm just sharing with you. I'm just telling you what it's like. And if I'm like that, so are you. We're easily distracted. And you think, wait a minute, Greg. Wait a minute. I don't understand. Wait a I thought God set us free so we can worship like we want. Well, God's salvation did not come so you can worship like you want any more than God's salvation did not come in your life so you can live like you want. It's the same thing. of surrendering unto him what God wants. I love the movie Prince of Egypt. Y'all like Prince of Egypt? You've seen that? You got it memorized? You don't show your kids Prince of Egypt? <laughs> They've seen it. Come on, kids, respond. <laughs> so Prince of Egypt, you know, and he's like that. And, you know, Moses is singing to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's singing back. And, you know, you did this, and you did this, and I like that. And, you know, what's, what's, what's the song? What's the theme? You know, let my people go. Okay, I'm not singing it, but you understand. you got to put it in your heart that let my people go over and over and over. And it soars, and it's great, and it's And you would think that the story of Moses... It's about letting my people go. And you're right in part. But do you realize that seven or eight times in this story, it says, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. And in seven of those eight, it says, let my people go so they can worship. Let my people go so they can worship. Let my people go so they can worship, so they can worship, so they can worship, so they can worship. Are you getting a theme here? 
the freedom we have is so that we can be free from ourself, from our brokenness, from our sin, and enter into the presence of God in the most amazing way and lift up his name. Remember last week, don't forget last week I talked about the three pillars that all three of these uh, ideas of, of worship and word and witness are going to be built on, which is shameless audacity, and that means boldness. Boldness to say, God, I can come before you. I can worship you. Even though I'm broken, even though I'm filled with, with failures, God, you still accept me? Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible what God can do. And I know, I know you are oh, great. Great. Now I have to feel guilty I'm not worshiping right <laughs> I'm not doing that right. <laughs> I'm not living right. I'm not acting right. I'm not even worshiping right. Mm-mm. You missed the point. If, you, if, you, if you're feeling that, that's the enemy condemning. God doesn't condemn. He convicts. So it's not about that because, see, worship is always about, always about relationship. There's no guilt because there's a relationship. There's, there's brokenness. There's God, I'm, I, I did wrong. I'm sorry. There's, there's openness. I love the story of two great orators long ago. Long ago, they had this presentation, and they would bring in people that would give orations of, what's going, of, of words or music or whatever. And the people would just sit and listen. And it would end with the best, most well-known, almost 100 years ago, orator of the time. I mean, profound. And he gets up there, and he stands before the people, and he quotes Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he was profound in his deep baritone voice, carried over the whole, because there's no microphones, okay? Uh, there was no mic. There was no microphones. So carried over everything. And the people, at what was done, stood up, and they clapped, and they clapped, and they clapped, and they clapped, and they clapped. Now, what the people didn't realize is that the organizer of this had a really good friend who said, I feel like I want to go. He said, there's no room. It's set. And he said, well, just put me at the end. He said, well, you can't be at the end. You've got to do the best at the end. And this guy's not known at all. He's not, he's not even, I mean, no one will even know who you are. But because he's... He was a good friend. He put him at the end. So people were clapping, and then it's over, right? He's the last one. So everyone's starting to mill, mill, mill around and go off, and this gentleman comes out and begins. Now, it's bad enough to follow someone so great. It's even worse to do the same thing because he began. As people were leaving and talking, they were pretty much being rude. They just thought he maybe was a janitor sweeping up the stage. I don't know. And he started and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It begins to go through it. And a hush falls over the auditorium. And they grow still. And everyone sits back down. And it doesn't end with a single clap. Because where the other one ended with clapping and clapping and clapping, this one ended with weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And you say, well, what's the difference? The difference is, the difference is, one knew the psalm. One knew the God of the psalm. 
That's what worship is really all about. Worship is about our relationship. Here's the second thought. Worship is productive. It's bringing favor, power. Why do we worship like we do? Did someone just make up a plan? 200 years ago, say, okay, this is what we do. We have these songs at the beginning, and then we do the preaching, and then we do the invitation, you know, to try to get people saved. Someone just write that up. Someone just make that up. And that's not the case at all. If you look at Acts, you'll find there's nobody, no church praising more than the church of Acts. In fact, as much as the witness is, as much as the word goes out, it's all about praise. In fact, get this. When the Holy Spirit was poured out and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began, and some were speaking in, in an unknown tongue, that they'd be going, man, they're drunk. But many were praising God in everyone else's language. And they heard it. And they thought, what's going on? And then Peter gets up and preaches and then thousands are saved. <laughs> we see the pattern right there. They were worshiping. They were worshiping in a method, in a method, in a means by which they were worshiping in a, in a way that the people understood. Now there it is. He says, "Well, we should just only do hymns." Well, okay, I like hymns, but can the people understand what you're saying? Can the people hear what you're saying? They understood, and you know what it ended. Acts two forty seven. I love this. Acts 2, 47, it says, they were praising God, and they were enjoying the favor of all the people. Still praising. Beginning in praise. Because, you see, power and praise comes. Our focus comes when we worship God. When we worship God. Because all of a sudden, you say, ah, Greg, I want favor. I want to live in favor. That favor comes. You know when that favor comes? That favor comes as we are willing to trust God. As we're willing, and all of a sudden, God does this, and God opens that doors, and God's over there. Are we worshiping to get favor? No. We're worshiping because this is what God wants, to raise our hands, to lift our voice, whatever, whatever God moves us. And as we do that, and as we lift him up, God is there. See, God always focuses in our life and moves in our life. Here's my last thought. Worship is unbound. I thought about that. I think... I think our worship team is a worship unbound. It just resonated in my heart. Maybe someone already has that. Like, yeah, they do these songs. No, no, no. But that's what we need to live. We need to live unbound. Unbound by what? Time, circumstances, failures, weakness, pain. Oh, no, Greg, I am not getting on that bus of worship because I don't know where it goes. And besides, I got stuff going on. You ever had stuff going on? I got this, and this hurts, and that's not right, and this like this, and that like that, and I failed here, and I sinned here, and this is not good. I got stuff. Let me tell you about stuff. Stuff is, is, is when you're out doing God's will, and all of a sudden, you get beat up for it, and they throw you in prison. And stuff is when they, they then take you, and they beat you to the inch of your life. And stuff is when they put you in a, in a dungeon where, where everything flows, all the waste, if you understand what I mean. It's not a good, pretty picture. And this is where Paul and Silas found themselves. And what did they do? They began to praise. Begin to worship. Begin to lift up their hands. And you say, God, Greg, I don't feel like worshiping. You think they did? The whole place shook. I love commentaries. They, they say, they probably hit just the right pitch to shake the building. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. It wasn't about pitch. It was about praise. 
And it's not about pitching your life. It's about the praise that you bring into that situation. Saying, man, I'm hurting. Man, this is wrong. This is not good. But God, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory. You are worthy of honor. And I'm going to lift you up. I'm going I'm to lift up everything that's in me. I don't feel like it. Okay. If you don't feel it, praise it. <laughs> if you don't feel it, lift it up. Our key verse, God spoke in my heart. It said, Greg, when you go down to Tampa, this is your verse. Psalms 102.18. This is what God spoke in my heart. He said, let this be written. Let it be done. Let it be done. we got to do something. We can't just say, okay, God, move. we got to be involved. we got to be connected. You better be doing something. You better be activated something. You better be connected to something. Do something. Let this be written for a future generation. What? Not just for now, not just for you, not just for your family, but we're building for a future generation that does not know me, that a people not yet created. That means someone that doesn't even know who God is. We're building now. Why? Why are we doing this? So we can fill up the chairs. Hmm. So we can be the biggest church. Hmm. So we have the greatest parking lot team. <laughs> so what are we doing? So we can teach them how to praise so they can know how to praise God. Because I'm telling you, if we step in and we know how to praise God, it changes everything. All of a sudden, we flow right into it. You know, when you praise, I preach better. So if I don't preach well, it's all your fault. <laughs> it just changes the whole atmosphere. It changes everything. When you lift up your voices, when you're singing, it changes everything. I got to Singapore. And I went up to the door of my friends, and I banged on their door. And they opened the door, and sweet Becky, just sweet Becky. I love Eric and Becky so much. And Becky just stared at me, suitcase in hands, okay? A little wet because it had been raining. That's another part of the story. But she goes, Greg, Greg, I can't believe you're here. I can't believe you're here. They told us it'd be three days before they get a plane out, and, and we can't even have co uh, communication with them now. And all the phone lines are down. It's just crazy. Big holiday going on about that time, too. And so, how did you get here? Why are you here? And all I thought of is because I got on the bus, because I was willing to get on the bus. I just felt God say, get on the bus. I didn't know where it went. It went just the right place. And I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Get on the bus. Say, God, I'm going to step into worship. I'm going to make it about you and not about me. I'm going to make it about what you're trying to do in my life. And, God, I'm going to lift your name. I'm going to declare you. When you get on the bus, God changes everything. Come on, get on the bus, Gus. Make a new plan. Stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Come on. God wants. I know I'm flashing back. But I'm just telling you. I'm telling you with all the passion that I have in, in me, get on the bus. Big old Greyhound bus. Big old bus. Big old bus. Whatever it is. You think, ah, I got this little bit. Whatever bus. You know, could be this little mini school buses. Get on the bus. God's taking you away from something. God's taking you away from a danger you're not even aware of. And or God's just leading you home. So you get there and you say, I'm home. Why? How'd you get home? I just said, God, I'm here. And I declare your goodness. My dream, my passion, is not to be the best pastor in the world. Not to have the biggest church. If I was really, really honest with you, and tell you what's always been in my heart, 
since I was a little boy. As I imagine myself in the throne of God, surrounded by millions and millions of people, and I have my hands up and I'm just worshiping. Just worshiping. I've shared that story before. I don't share it often. I said, God, I just want to be a worshiper. I just want to be in your courts. And with the angels declaring, holy, holy, they won't outshout me. They won't outshout me. I want to be there. And people, and I've shared that a few times. People say, okay, fine. After 200 years, isn't that a little boring? Come on. I mean, we, we, go, we go three or four songs and people are going, come on, pastor, start preaching. I'm being too harsh. He said, why did you say that? And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. God showed me this. He said, the longer I'm in his presence, every second. Oh, I didn't know that about God. Oh, God just showed me something new. The more we're in his presence, the more we receive of him, it'll never be boring. Whether we're there for 10 years or 10,000 millennials, I don't know. But I just know to be in his presence, I know more of God. I, God is eternal, and you can never get too much of God. Come on, get on the bus. Come on, get on the bus. Whatever that means. Let's find out what God's doing. And God can only, God will speak to your heart. God will guide you. God will lead you. I won't, I won't tell you. I said, you know, the Bible says raise your hands, dance, jump. But I'm not expecting you to raise your hand, dance, jump. I'd be shocked if you did next week. But if you, but it, you know what it's about? It's about, God, what am I, how can I enter into worship? How can I say, God, I love you? God, I need you. And get on the bus, and it'll start to move. And you see where it goes. <laughs> and see what God can do. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you so much. You're worthy of praise and glory and honor. God, I know that's the heart of everyone. Sometimes we feel like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I do it right. I don't know if I sound good. I don't I don't know what others will think if I do this. God, we lay all that down. And we just say, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to release my heart because I've been set free to worship God. I've been set free to worship you. And Father, for everyone that's listening, that's watching online or in this room that does not know you, that has not been set free from their sin, and their self, and God, their shame. I pray for them right now that they are willing to step up and say, God, take my heart. Set me free so I can live and worship you. So I pray for every single one, every single person, that in your heart you're saying, I need more of God. I need to know God. I want God in my life. I'm not living for him. I've been doing my own thing and going my own direction. I want you to pray, God, forgive me. Come into my life and wash away every stain, and every sin, and every shame. Father, I thank you for those because it's just the beginning on the incredible journey that you're going to take them. Encourage them, strengthen every single person in this room. And God, we're excited to see where your journey will take us. In the name of Jesus, amen.